Facebook page. If you actually don't follow Pastor Fred on Facebook, you're doing yourself a disservice. He shows so many fantastic videos of the past, all these different things. It is wonderful. He really is a historian of the Pentecostal movement, really around Australia, and it's just great. So if you want to know kind of a little bit about our past, our history of the Pentecostal church in Australia, just follow Pastor Fred. But I want to tell you this about Pastor Fred. It's not just about what happened in the past. This morning, Pastor Julie preached a fantastic message. Like if you didn't listen to it, make sure you listen to it. It was excellent. And it was about taking opportunities. And one of the things that she said is she goes, why don't you go and pray for people and just ask, you know, pray for something. So Pastor Fred, not just being a hearer of the Word, but a doer of the Word, decides, I'm going to put that into practice. And today, he got a phone call from some telemarketer. He talked to her for half an hour, right? And uh, he was just talking to her. And at the end, Chiggy goes, can I just have 15 seconds of your time to pray for you? And she goes, yes, yes, that'd be nice. And he prayed for her and she started crying and she said, you have made my day. How excellent is that? I love that. I love that. So we need to be just not hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. And whether you're in uh, your twilight years or whether you're a young adult, it's just be someone who hears what God says and does it. And trust me, you can't go wrong. So what is our theme this year? What is our theme this year? Fantastic. I had someone come to me the other day and look at the sticker on my car and said, what does live mean? Right? No, it's live. Right? It's not live, it's live. Right, so tonight we are going to look at living looking forward. What direction is your life heading? Now, I love to read novels. Right now, I'm reading a lot of novels by a uh, writer named Daniel Silver. And uh, he is a spy writer. And it's all about this uh, Israeli spy called Gabriel. uh, And he is just a fantastic kind of save the world type of guy once a year, right? The guy just saves the planet once a year. He's, He's magnificent. And I read all of his novels. And I think there's about 12 in the series and in the last year, I've read eight of them, right? And I just, I just love reading. I've always loved reading. I'm not so much of a non-fiction pan, uh, fan. I actually get most of my non-fiction stuff from podcasts. I, I have no patience for non-fiction writing. It doesn't capture me. I've got about 30 books in my bookcase at home where I've read the first two chapters, right, and nothing else. But give me a novel, give me a story, Give me something that captures my heart. And let me tell you, I can't put it down. I have literally no control over that once I get into a story. I have to keep on reading. My love for reading actually started when I was just a little kid. My dad uh, used to give my mum respite, right, for us kids. And he would take us every Saturday afternoon to the State Library in Adelaide and we were allowed to get two books, and then we would read those two books. So I just loved reading, and back then, there wasn't 14 different sorts of media and all these different things. There were four channels, right? And uh, we weren't even allowed to watch them on black and white TV. Yes, I am old, right? And uh, so we loved to read, and I grew up an avid, avid reader. Unfortunately, that didn't translate into my study habits, right? I just didn't do that. So, But fiction, novels, I, I chew up. And recently, Nina went to Adelaide to see her mum and to help looking after her mum. And, and I read a 1,000-page novel, right, in a day and a half. 
Right? In a day and a half, I read a thousand-page novel, but therein lies the rub. I can't be trusted with a novel. Right? Once I get sucked into its vortex, it can, once I have the preliminary gist of what it's saying, I just get sucked in. I have to know what happens. I sit down and I go, I'll just read one more chapter. I just got to find out. And I get to, but what is going to happen now? I gotta, I'll just read one more chapter. i read one more chapter. And next thing I know, it's three o'clock in the morning. I don't want to wake up and pray and go and read the Bible because I'm just tired. And that's just not good. Right? But I have to know what's happened next. And a well-written novel, and that's why I love Daniel Silver. It's so well-written. It just grabs you in from the first chapter. It just, it takes you. And it's a temptation that I've lost to again and again and again. See, my wanting to know what happens, my need to know the next step, my, my wonderings about the future of the characters keeps me reading. It makes me take an action I don't even really want to take. I want to go to sleep but I keep on reading. I want to engage with my family, but I keep on reading. I want to answer that phone call that I saw come up, but I keep on reading, right? I just keep on reading because I do it anyway. That's looking forward. And that's what I actually want. I believe that God wants to stir in your heart tonight. A sense of looking forward to see what God has next to see what God is doing next. Now, we're not stuck right in the now, but we're looking forward. What are you doing next, God? What is it that you have for me, God? What am I seeing in the future? What am I looking forward to? That's what I believe that God wants to say. Now, the Bible has many great scriptures, and I'm going to bring up a scripture in just a moment. And it's very important that tonight that I do have a biblical foundation, because if you speak about vision or you speak about looking forward, Essentially, it can turn into a motivational speech, which will inspire you for a moment and will stir you, but it's of actual no eternal value. And I don't want you just to have great thoughts about your own future and about what you can do. I want you to have a thought about what's the kingdom look like for you? What's the kingdom vision for your life this year? Because it's God's kingdom that is truly life. It's not your kingdom that is truly life. You may even get the thing that you want or desire, but you'll find if that's all what it was about you, it'll actually leave you empty. You'll taste it, but you won't see that it's good. You'll taste it and you'll go, well, that didn't actually satisfy me. Whereas when you taste the things of the Lord, you taste, you go, oh, that's good. I want some more of that. That's what vision is. That's what vision for God vision is versus vision just for your own life. You know, the, the whole Live series hangs on this scripture. And I'm going to read to you in a moment. 1 Timothy 6 verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world, which I want to tell you is pretty much everyone who lives in Australia, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God, listen to this verse, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life, which is truly life. That you may take hold of the life, that is truly life. You know, true life 
isn't about having something more or having something else. True life doesn't come from getting some more enjoyment. That's not true life. Even even though God promises that He will give us more enjoyment. True life isn't measured in things. True life isn't measured in feelings. True life doesn't come from desiring a a better future or desiring better things or better feelings. True life is eternal life. True life is kingdom life. True life is about investing your life, this life, into eternity and about eternal life. That is true life. True life is not just wanting better things and better feelings in this life. The ironic thing is, or the hilarious thing is, is that the more we pursue true life over and above our temporal life, the more enjoyment we get. The Bible promises that as you pursue true life, now what does it say? God richly, not with an eyedropper, but richly pours into our lives everything for our enjoyment. Right? Happy is he whose God is the Lord, the Bible says. Happiness isn't the goal. Happiness is the result. As you pursue true life, happiness follows you. It's not I just want happiness. No, I give my life to what the eternal purpose of it is and the enjoyment will come. Not because I got a bigger, better, whatever. Right? It's because I pursue God who is over and above everything that I want. If you make your whole future about bigger, better, new and enjoyment in this life, all it does is actually leave you emptier and emptier and emptier. You finally get that thing and it's not the thing that you want. You finally get that kind of status in life and you find it didn't give you the satisfaction that you you thought it did. You know, you get a, a new car but, you know, three weeks after you get a new car, it's just a car, right? No matter how nice the car is, Ecclesiastes, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Ecclesiastes 2, yet when I considered all the works that my hands had accomplished and what I taught to achieve, I found everything to be futile, a pursuit of the wind. There is nothing to be gained under the sun. Pursuing a vision for your life that's just based in your life is actually meaningless. You may achieve something. You may get some measure of uh, something happening in your life, but it won't actually do something here. It won't give you proper satisfaction. So tonight as I speak about looking forward, Don't just think about bigger, better, or new. Think God's kingdom. Think eternal life, not this temporal life. For when it's all said and done, it's only what you do of eternal value that makes it through the fire. So maybe you don't read novels, right? And to be honest, probably looking at the age group here, novels isn't your thing. I try to get my kids to love reading, but uh, none of them ever got that exhilarating feeling of reading a story unfold. Fortunately, none of them, literally none of them, caught the bug, right? It's, it's, now I'm getting bitter, sorry. So, so some people don't like books. I tell you what though, there'll be a lot of people here, you watch the series and you watch one program and then you watch the second one and then you watch the third one. Maybe it's just addictive personality, but Nina and I just started watching This Is Us, right? It's on Prime TV and 
It's awesome. I want to tell everyone who's married or getting married or thinking about ever getting married, right? Like, watch This Is Us. It is unbelievable, fantastic, right? We just watched it and watched it and watched it. We watched two a night. It's just we're hooked. We're hooked. The reason is, is that it stirs a wanting to know. It stirs a drive. It stirs energy inside of us. And that's what looking forward does. It gives you energy. It gives you a drive. It energizes you. It gives you a reason to exist. That's what looking forward does. It gives you a reason to exist. My foundational scripture that I promise I will finally get to isn't one that you haven't heard before. I promise you, you would have heard 10 sermons from this scripture alone. But that's because it's important and it's true. And the more you hear it, the more likely you are to put it into practice. When novelists write books and TV producers make programs, they do it wanting you to think of the future. They, they want to engage you in tomorrow. They want to engage your mind. They, they want to engage your thinking. They, they want to engage you in there. The, the books they write, the shows they, they create, they create in desire. In, they create so they can create in you a desire to seek to think, to wonder. They endeavor to take you out of your now and in your mind project yourself into the future or start wondering about the future. That's what vision does. It takes you out of the now and starts to make you think and wonder and give you energy and drive to see your future happen. So I'm finally going to read my foundational scripture, Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no prophetic vision But people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. God brings vision to our lives so we don't just give up and settle. That's what vision is there for. It's why having a vision from God is so important. Now, it's not just talking about general vision, which I spoke about before. It's speaking about God's vision. The Word says where there is no prophetic vision. Without a vision, a God vision for your life, you'll just meander going from one week, one day, one hour, one minute, just doing whatever you do, whatever happens to come your way. There's no direction. You'll just meander. There could be some achievement, but it'll be of no eternal consequence. Without a vision for your life, you cast off restraint. You don't do anything that stretches yourself. You certainly won't do anything that requires too much work or requires effort. You certainly won't put off any immediate pleasure for the greater good or for something that you can get later on. Every form of restraint just seems too onerous if you don't have vision. You know, next month, I turn 59. It's, I'm sad. I'm actually very sad. I just... I can't believe it. Even I look at this word, I look at those two letters, two numbers, 59. Mark Elmendorp is not 59. No, he's not. Next month he is though. But you know what the disease of the 59-year-old? Is it settling? This is where my life is. This is what my life is. I don't really need to do anymore. I've, I've worked hard enough. I've experienced a bit. I'm in a place where I've got a pretty comfortable life. I'm just going to settle. And sometimes I think about that. You know, if Emerge Church was just one campus where we had 500 people on a database and just one service in the morning and one service at night, how easy would my life be? 500 people is the perfect number. 
If you think about it, let me tell you about it. Because like, there's enough people, so you've always had something to do, but not so many people that you have too much to do, right? There's enough people who love you and tell you how good you are, right? Your two services a week means it's pretty an easy schedule. There's enough money in the offering, so you never really have to trust God for finance, right? You only have a small staff, so they're not giving you any trouble that you, can, that you can't easily fix, right? And then because, and the thing is, is that if you have some vision, if you don't have any vision, the staff that have vision, they'll eventually leave, right? Because they're not going anywhere and they're thinking, oh, I'm not staying here. I've got something. I want to do something for God. You're holding me back, right? And so you're just left with people who haven't got vision anyway, right? So how comfortable that would be. I could easily cast off restraint. I could live the easy life for the next seven years and then retire. Just preach Sundays, visit a couple of people, make sure the church takes no face steps. That could jeopardize my comfortable life. I could live on easy street. There's no need to pray. There's no need to grow. There's no need for faith. There's no need to push through things. There's no need to deal with complexity or, or complication. There's no need to have drive. There's no need to have energy, resilience. There's no need to problem solve. All those things that make true life, kingdom life fantastic, I don't have to do anymore because I'm comfortable. I'm settling. I just have a nice life. Isn't life to just have a nice life? What a miserable man I would be. No vision, to be honest, equals no life. No vision is certain death. To be honest, it's a vision of a merged church that keeps me awake, keeps me alive, keeps me active, that sends me to prayer, to study, to action, to belief, to faith. It's because i got a vision that God has something for a merged church and I want to be part of it. And I want to tell you, if I'm not going to be there, God will just say, see you later, because He has a vision for a merged church and He'll just bring someone else. And I don't want there to be someone else. I want it to be me. You know, our best days are ahead. We're going somewhere. And to be honest, I'd, I'd rather die than just settle and just live all risk and sacrifice free. I couldn't do it. There's just too much vision in my heart. You know, when I look at this crowd tonight, when I look at the people in this room, it actually stirs me. There are so many gifts in this room. When I see the call of God that sits and rests on so many people's lives, when I see the anointing that, that sits on so many people's lives, it stirs me. I'm, I'm overwhelmed with vision myself. How dare I settle? How dare I become visionless? How dare I steal from God the vision that God has put in their lives? I have to can make myself vision full of vision so, so, that, so that I don't steal what it is, the future that God has for so many people in this place. That's how seriously I take it. Because my ability to stay vision translates to your ability to see God's life, God's vision for your life outworked. I want to make sure that I help you follow God's vision for your life, not hinder it. I'm glad that Nina's given Nina, I'm glad that God has given Nina and I vision. Vision for five campuses. Vision for a generation of leaders. Vision for an effective multi-site church all over northern Brisbane. Vision to see Thousands of people come to Christ through our missions ever. I want to see young men and women from this church rise up and become national and international leaders. You know, Pastor Joe is respected 
by so many pastors and leaders from all over the place. We recently had a meeting with all the ACC pastors from uh, North Brisbane, and they asked Joe to lead the area of all the youth pastors. And they come, and they're constantly meeting with other youth pastors. Now I can sit there and say, Joe, that's not building a merch. Come on, they're not going to come. They're just going to try and steal your people, right, and your ideas, right? Don't talk to any other pastors anywhere, but no. We're going to have an effect everywhere. We're going to be a blessing. We're blessed so we can be a blessing. And so Pastor Joe sees so many uh, youth pastors and, and everything. And I actually believe that Pastor Joe is going to pastor a massive church, way bigger than, 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 than we are. But, I, you know, Pastor Fred believes that one day Pastor Joe will be on national executive. And I'm amen that by 1,000. I think that's great. You know, Pastor Julie is on the ACC uh, North Region Board, right? Because we want to have an effect. She's respected around the churches here. Pastor Jason recently led at the National Pastors Conference. He led all the pastors of our movement in worship. And let me tell you, I, I got all of these texts from all these people, well known, say, oh, he's done great. Oh, one guy says, oh, your boy did good this morning. Right? <laughs> your boy did good this morning. And that, I love that. I love seeing my son getting up here today and just and doing the announcements. I, I love that. You know, our future campus pastors, our future pastors aren't going to come from everywhere else. We're going to grow them right here. We're going to develop them right here. That's my vision. I can't settle because that's my vision. You deserve a pastor that's got vision. You deserve Nina who's got vision. You deserve that. And if we stop having vision... If we make it all about ourselves, then the blessing of God will lift. And I don't want to do that. That's what vision does. It attaches you to other. No vision from God is for you. No vision from God is for you alone. Every vision that God has involves other people because God loves people. God loves people and you are the answer that he is going to use to be God to so many other people. Vision makes your life bigger than your own. And it's not just ministry. You know, sometimes we lord ministry. We say, if you're a pastor, if you've got a PS in front of your name, somehow you're more important than someone else. Rubbish. Rubbish. It's just a role. No one here is better. I'm not better than you because I'm a pastor. There are some people here who will never be a pastor. But you have a God vision for your classroom. You have a God vision for your office. Some of you have a God vision to, to be leading in your workplace, to have a, a business that's actually doing something. Some of you have a God vision to be the best whatever you are in your workplace, to be the best mother, to excel in your painting or writing or special talent that you have. You may be able to do the best light show at church anyone could do or the best sound or, or get all of our cameras and make that all happen. There is, if you limit God's vision to this microphone, I want to tell you, you're missing out on so much. Right? This is just for some people that God has called, but it's not about that. Wherever you are, God has a vision for you. God has an endless supply of vision if you're willing to ask Him for it. You know, not having God vision results in two things happening and they're both not good. One is that is you. You're, you're looking backwards. And if you're looking backwards, you're headed for a fall. You see me do this before. If I'm looking this way and I keep going that way, I'm going to fall. Looking backwards always results in you falling. It's always uncomfortable. Imagine all the time, even you, just walk, walk around like this. Right? That's uncomfortable. 
you know, after about 10 minutes, your neck's going to be so sore. And what happens is that you can tell people always looking backwards, they're never comfortable. They can never settle. There's always some sort of ache and pain. There's always something going on in their life. They can't settle. They can never relax. They can never relax because they're always looking backwards. They're like a cat on a haunted roof. It means that, means that something of your past has restricted your future. That's what looking backward means. If you're looking backwards, it means something of your past is stopping you from going forward. But I want to tell you tonight that no matter what your past is, God's grace can overcome it. God's grace is overcome it. My favorite word at the moment is redemption. And God's gospel is all about redemption. Failure happened, but God brought something good out of it. God brought victory where there was a, a, a failure. Redemption. Everyone say the word redemption. redemption. Say it again. Redemption. Do a study on the word redemption if you don't really understand it. Jesus redeemed you. I know that I don't deserve a God vision for my future. I haven't lived a life that deserves it. I've made all sorts of mistakes and done all sorts of things. I've messed up. I've let God down. I've let people down. I've let myself down. But the redemption that Jesus provided for me in His death and resurrection on the cross, is bigger than any fall that I've ever had. I may fall down, but the redemptive power of the grace of God gets me to stand up again and again and again. The Bible tells us a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up again. He gets up again. If you need to be perfect to have a vision, a God vision for your life, I want to tell you, we're all doomed. We are all doomed. Believe God's word, not the condemnation that the devil throws at you. You know, Adam was a blame shifter. Eve couldn't control her appetite. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was a liar. Jacob was a deceiver. Moses was a murderer. Eli's kids, they never walked with God. David was so violent that God wouldn't let him build the temple. Solomon was a sex addict. Peter was arrogant. Thomas doubted. Paul was argumentative, couldn't keep any friendships going. And Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. Can you see a common thread? Can you see a common thread? Pretty much anyone in the Bible who did something for God is a story of redemption. And you are all a story of redemption. Nothing in your past can stop a God vision. When God gives you the vision, He knows the mistakes you've made and He knows the mistakes you're going to make. It's not like, oh my gosh, you did that. I never saw that coming. I would never have given you that vision if I knew you were going to do that. No, it's the opposite. He says, come on, turn to me. Repent. Walk away from that. And let me tell you, I'll turn even that which is wrong into something that's good for you. That's a miracle, my friends. When God can even turn the sins of our life into something good. I don't know how he does it, but he's God and it's amazing. He knows the mistakes you've made. He knows the mistakes you're going to make and still gives you a vision. You know, in the past, I, probably some of the worst mistakes I've made has been in not controlling my anger. Right? I've had some terrible moments of failure where I've allowed my temper and really essentially a temper tantrum Right, get the better of me, and I've hurt people by what I've said, I've hurt people by my actions, and yet here I am today, the pastor of a church. 
Hopefully I've got that a lot more under control than what I once do. God knew when He called me that those things were going to happen at different times. I wasn't going to be perfect. I wasn't always going to be understanding. I wasn't always going to be grace-filled. That sometimes I would allow my own hurt, my own insecurity or my own rejection get the better of me and it would sort be in kind of like getting mad at you, right? But he knew that I was going to have some blobs, but yet he still called me. It doesn't excuse it. It doesn't sit there and say, well, God knew so I can just have a temper tantrum again tomorrow and the day after the that and the day after the that. Repentance means, hey, I'm really sorry for what I did and I'm going to walk so I never do it again but I still am forgiven for what it is that I'm done. See, the giftings and abilities that God put in me, He put in me without repentance. God doesn't regret giving you the gifts and the abilities that He's put in your life. God, God doesn't regret giving me the things that He's given me because there have been times where I've messed up. You know, I'm the only one who can give up on the God vision in my life. Because I allow my failure to be bigger than God's redemption. And only I can do that. It's not the fault of God's redemption. That's all-encompassing. There's no one here who's done anything that God's redemption doesn't cover. But if I believe for some reason that I'm a special case and that God forgives everyone else but doesn't forgive me, that God overlooks everyone else, but won't overlook mine. That God gives everyone else a second, third, 10,000th chance, but He won't give me one, then I'm the one who restricts God's redemption. And what it is, is that there's nothing special about you, right? You're just a sinner. I'm just a sinner. Everyone's sin is just sin. Jesus died for our sin. Why is your so sin so special that God's not going to forgive you? It's actually arrogance. It's worm pride. It's pride to believe that God won't forgive you. It's like saying somehow I'm too good or I'm too bad or whatever it is. It's worm pride and it needs to be repented of. There's nothing that you've done that God said, well, that's too bad. I'd forgive him, but I'm not going to forgive you. I'd forgive her, but I'm not going to forgive you. It's a lie from the enemy. God's redemptive power and process is for with us all. So don't look back. Look forward to God's vision for your life. I want the band to come. The second reason we don't live looking forward is that we're stuck. And that's where I want to get to the gist of this one tonight. Tonight we're going to pray for people who are feeling stuck. Stuck in your malaise. Stuck in your job. Stuck in your fear. Stuck in your ability to believe, stuck in your job, stuck in your relationship, stuck in your ministry, stuck in your sickness, stuck in your frame of mind. Now, if you're stuck, I don't need to point you out tonight. You know who you are because God is going to do something in your lives tonight. So God doesn't want us to live a boring life. Jesus came to give life and life more abundant. That's why he came, to give us life and to life more abundant. It's the devil who kills, steals, and destroys, but God came to give us life and life more abundant. One of the original meanings of that, of that word abundant life is Zoe life, and one of the meanings is an uncommon life. God doesn't want you living a common life. I, don't, I call it God doesn't want you living a nine-to-five life. 
where you just wake up at the same time every day, do the same thing every day, watch the same shows every day, just do all these things. God doesn't want you living a common life. Now, there are periods of mundane. There are periods of mundane in our lives, and we all got to go through all of those things. And that's part of just God's melting pot of how He makes us. But our life in God should never be boring. We should have vision. We should have a sense of hope. We should have a sense of the future. We need to live looking forward. He is an abundant life. So tonight, I want you to see the life that God has planned for you. Can you see that? See, when you see that, it's not about your life anymore. It's about the life that God had planned for you. You know, Jeremiah 29 verse 11 is a famous verse. Many of us would have memorized that verse and many of us would hold that verse as something true to ourselves. The verse says that God has a plan for us. The verse says that God thinks thoughts towards us. And when God thinks thoughts towards us, they're about our future. And when God thinks of our future, He says, you have hope. See, you start to live visionless when your hope is taken away when your hope is stolen. Vision gives hope. Visionlessness steals hope and takes away hope. If you're feeling hopeless tonight in any area, that's not God's thoughts towards you. Whatever it is, in your job, in your ministry, in a particular situation, that's not God's thoughts. If you think there is no hope, that it can't change, that there can't be a better tomorrow, that's not God. See, the enemy wants to trap you in this thinking that says it will never change. Your past is too horrible. Where you come from is too much. That you haven't got the ability that someone else has got. Someone else has had better opportunities. All of these other things that are lies that kind of hold you to this spot. The fear of man, what will they say? The Bible says the fear of man is a snare. I want to go forward, but I'm snared. I'm stuck to that spot. And so hopelessness comes in. I'm always going to be like this. I want to tell you one of the evil things that depression does is it says it will never change. It will never change. It will always be like this. See, the thing about hope is that even when tragedy happens, you can still look forward. When there's no hope, you're just stuck. Tragedy happens and it's like, yeah, well, that's just what always happens to me. Always things bad happens to me. These, this is just what happens. This is my life. This is my life. This is what happens to me. Yet when you have hope, when you have vision, what can happen is you can sit there and say, yeah, this happened to me. This is horrible. This is bad. But I'm, I, there, there is a future still. God's going to take this. God's going to make something out of this. This setback is going to be the step forward to my comeback. God wants you to look forward and He wants you to have hope and He wants you to see something different. He wants you to see and look forward and see a God vision. Tonight, I want to pray for people. And I want to pray for you. Let's just all stand. We're going to sing a song. We're going to have some worship tonight. I purposely took the meeting a little bit earlier so that we could have a time of ministry because I really want to pray for people tonight. And it's very funny because in this time, I mean, I can easily pray for you in your seat. 
I'm going to pray for you in your seat. I can say, if you've been ministered to tonight, put up your hand, and I'm going to pray a general prayer. But we're talking about looking forward. We're talking about having hope. We're talking about not getting stuck, about not looking backwards, about going forward into what God has for your life, to live looking forward. Well, some of you tonight, made to do something different, need to actually walk forward. It's an actual action that you need to take. So I'm not apologising for making it a little bit hard. I'm not apologising for making it a little bit exposed because I think some of you need to actually shake off some of that vision and kind of say, I'm going to walk forward. I'm going to walk forward. I've asked Tiana to lead us in a song tonight. Come tonight if you feel your past is too big. Come tonight if you feel that you have no hope. Come tonight if you're feeling stuck. That's what I really want to feel. This whole message comes down to that. If you're feeling stuck, God wants to lift you out. You know, at Sandgate Beach, right, they have, you get, you, you, it's, the tide goes out and then they put out all of these uh, little holes and we used to go there with the kids and then we sit there and, and you kind of squiggle, 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 squiggle and then you, you go deeper, deeper, squiggle, and you go deeper, deeper. I just made that word up. And you get deeper, deeper. And eventually you got stuck and the kids would get stuck. And I used to go, see ya, right? And then they go, oh, you got to leave us alone. Right? And, and like, such a mean father, right? So, but they were stuck. They, it, it, the tide could have come, right? Like, uh, right? No, imagine that, right? So, <laughs> right? But they're stuck. Some of you are like that. You're stuck. But God wants to lift you out. That's what I do. I come and I lift them out. And then I go, let's do that again. Let's do that again. God doesn't want you to get restuck. All right? So uh, God wants you to start walking. Wash it off. Wash it off and start walking.